0: Thank you for supporting Overcomer's Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped.
1: A minister is a person who has committed their lives uh, to a higher level of serving. Serving is to attend to, to give help, as well as lend a hand and provide support to others despite their own desires. In fact, let's go to Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11. Matthew 23 and verse 11. Jesus made it clear in Matthew 23 and 11 uh, what a minister was. And I'm going to read this scripture to you. He says this, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. So he says, greatest is a mature person, someone who is strong and elder among you shall be your servant. It goes on to say in verse 12, this and whoever exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So we see here the heart of a good servant is someone that is going to humble himself. Humble means to behave in a in a assuming manner that's pleasing to Christ to have a modest opinion of yourself, not to think too high, but then, then again, don't think low of yourself neither, because we know that Jesus died for people just like us. To be teachable uh, is going to be another definition of humbling himself. Anytime you find yourself not teachable, that's a warning sign that you need to repent and get things right. We all need to learn uh, in our walk with Christ. I believe that Jesus was letting us know that we desire to be being great in this world, but we must learn how to serve others with humility. We want to serve with humility, not being high-minded or not to think low of ourselves, but with humility. We understand when it comes to ministry work, a minister is an individual who has a calling on his his or her life, to provide support to others at a higher level. They understand that the calling of their life is greater than anything else. And that's why as a minister, we, must, they have, we have a commitment to put the word into action. It is deeper than just me telling you that this is your desire. You want to put the word into action. They're willing to provide relief, assistance, support, etc. Regardless, regardless, if they're friends, their family, other members of the church, strangers, and so forth. Despite their personal desires, uh, activities, and so forth, as long as they're being led by the Holy Spirit. And one, one thing every minister must learn is to be led by the Holy Spirit, because you can do something good, but you can still be out of the will of God. That's why we got to make sure we're led by the Holy Spirit. That's why we continue to walk by faith and not by sight. Now understand that the time, resources, etc., are subject to being used by God to help others. It just comes with the calling. In fact, you in fact, used to learn to enjoy what God leads you to do. You learn to enjoy. It's not a, it's not a burden to you. It's not a, a, a a hassle to you. You want to do it because God is leading you to do it. And mature minister deems it an honor to serve and not a burden. They understand they're ministering to the Lord. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful to know that when you're ministering, you're ministering to the Lord? You go visit somebody, you're doing it as unto the Lord. You go help somebody, you're doing it as unto the Lord. It may seem, uh, other people may not think it's that important, but you say, God told me to do it. I'm going to do it with joy, and I know if if I do it in secret, God going to reward me openly. Isn't that good news, praise God? Hallelujah. Most importantly, as mentioned earlier, they know and a constant desire to learn to put the word into action. You see them as men and women who gain energy and enthusiasm from praying, helping, tending the church business, encouraging, teaching, and laboring with others. They desire to be in the house of God on a Sunday morning because they realize it's, it's a blessing for them to be in the house of God. Now that's why you see them in scriptures like Matthew twenty-three and eleven, as Jesus described them as individuals who are humble, not thinking too highly of themselves, eager to help and support. That's why they were. That's why a mature minister is a good minister. A good minister, they're beneficial. They're of high quality. They have morally good character. Their maturing is not defined by the number of years of being saved or being in the local ministry. And that sometimes people can get that uh, confused because they've been in church a long time. They think they ought to be an ordained minister, but that's not necessarily the case. The Spirit of God has to has to be on you and working through you to mature you in the things of God. And now, let me say this to you: a mature minister is not a perfect minister. Let me say that again. A mature minister is not a perfect minister. A, a, a perfect minister or a mature minister is, is not the same thing. We got to understand that the mat- minister going to make mistakes. They're going to come up short sometimes. But a mature minister will repent and ask God to forgive them and then they'll try to do better the next time. How many, how many understand what I'm talking about? Well, you got to repent and ask God so you can do better. And that's important. That's important. That is very, very important. As long as you walk in Christ, you want to have, uh, uh, you want to have uh, repentance in your heart. Age and longevity are important, but neither should be confused with spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is the ability to put away childish things, making decisions based on the written and revealed word of God. We see James was one we talked about last week. Go to James chapter 1 and verse 1. He will consider a bond servant. James chapter one. Let's go to the scripture again from James chapter one and verse one. James, a bond servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. So a bond servant is a person who gives up his will, the will of Christ, a servant. He is an attendant, a person devoted to another, to the disregard of one's own interest. And then these are individuals we can follow as an example of a good and a mature minister. And a good minister is a great representative of the faith. He or she can be deemed as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can ask them to serve in public services and share their faith, knowing that their heart is going to do the will of Christ, even if they have to deny their own will. They are not flawless, but their heart is going to grow and mature to the point that God is able to use them in greater ways. And understand this, greater ways may not be what you think is a greater way, but a greater way is obeying God and the small things and God will turn them into big things. Oh, yeah, that's that. that, Lord, I stay out of that. A good pastor or a good bishop will recognize this in others, that these individuals want to do better. And it will provide the opportunities for them to grow, to learn, and to mature. That's so why I thank God for our bishop deeming it important to provide teachings, trainings, and opportunities for ministers, leaders, and pastors to grow. He is our, he's like a true ambassador and overseer of the faith in that he is constantly looking for ways to, to lay the foundation in us so in turn we can be effective in ministering. And I truly believe that as as we have learned over the years, and I can testify to the fact that many of us have grown and we are more mature and we are more effective ministers because of the teaching. And I thank God for that. That's why I desire for us to be effective in which, excuse me, which I try to encourage and apply that same mindset in my personal growth as well as our ministers and leaders and helping lay members come into the God-given purpose as well. We want to know and do better. Let me say that again. We want to know and do better. Say that with me. We want to know and do better. Now, we see that, and I believe that's what Paul saw in young Timothy. In fact, he wrote this letter to Timothy as a messenger who was pouring into him so that he could grow and mature as well as be encouraged as a young leader in the faith. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So Paul was considered an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle is a delegate, a messenger sent forth with orders. And this particular messenger comes from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's important because we're going to look a little bit later that there are messengers that come from the devil. This is important that we know who who sent our messenger. Because if you know who sent your messenger, you're better to receive it. But again, if you know that that messenger came from Satan, you're going to reject it. You're going to reject it. We understand. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. The book of Ephesians chapter 4 In verse 11, we look at when we understand based on Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, how crooked it is for us to take advantage of the ministry gift that God has sent to his church to include the pastor and apostle so that we can possess faith and good works in ministry. So Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 reads as follows, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be, to be, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So we see he gave some to be apostles, apostles again, one who was sent forth with orders, apostles. Now, my question comes up, and we need to understand this, what's the purpose of God sending these gifts? We see uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12, let's look at that scripture again, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. For the equipping of the saints, so equipping is maturing, completing, and furnishing of the saints, we need to be completed. We need to mature. We need to uh be furnished with what we need to accomplish the will of God for our lives. Now, this also lets me know that we're, we don't have everything we need in order to accomplish it. We need something in order to complete what God has called for us. Now, let me say this. You need something in 2020 just like you need something in 2021 and 2022. Every year, you're going to need something. Just like God provided what you needed in 2019, he's going to do the same thing for you in 2020. We shouldn't let what's going on around us, such as a pandemic, cause us not to be equipped. We shouldn't let that cause us. We should be equipped no matter what the season is in our life. Now, we may have to come up, have to repent and say, hey, you know, I need to get my act together. But you know what? God is going to provide the necessary tools that we need in order to be equipped. God gonna do his part, but it's up to us to receive it and to operate in what God is providing for us. Second thing He said to us is edify. You're gonna edify up edifying of the body of Christ. Edify means to build up, to encourage, to promote growth as it relates to Christian wisdom, happiness and holiness, and maturity. It is something God is going to provide what we need in order to be edified. He's going to provide it. He's going to do his part. I promise you in 2020, if we look back at over the year, God has provided what we needed in order to be edified. He's undid his part, but it's up to us to take what God has given us and apply it. It's up to us. I can't. We can't get mad at God. Like, well, God, you know what? Everything going on out there, you did not did not prepare me for that. Oh, I beg to differ. I can't go to God and say, God, you didn't do what you said you're going to do in your word. You have did your part. Now it's up to me to take what you've given me and to apply it, to put the word into action. And, and, and the third thing he says, this is to bring unity. Unity means oneness and agreement of the faith. And any time that the, that the fivefold ministry or ministers see division, God will use the word to correct it. He will use the word to correct it. And anything that's going to bring division, God will go ahead and send his word to correct it. Because God does not want division in his church. He does not want his church to be separated. He wants his church to operate as one. That's why Paul, that's why we go back to 1st Timothy. You see why this is so, so important. We'll go back to 1st Timothy. 1st Timothy chapter 1, I'm going back 1, excuse me, 1st Timothy chapter 1, verse one and we're going to read down. So now Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, I was saved in the Lord Jesus Christ I hope. Remember now what Paul has received as an apostle. Remember what what Ephesians tells us that Paul had received. He's seen something to keep his church together, something to keep his church from being divided. He has received instructions so his church can be a whole lot better. So when you think about that, then he goes on to say this to Timothy. To Timothy, a true son in the faith. A son is a disciple, a learner, and most importantly, I think, between all these, he is a follower. He follows Christ. He is a son. He is a disciple. He is a follower. And if you're going to be a disciple or a son of Christ, you got to be a follower. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow the anointed one. As I follow his word, follow me. And if you follow me, i got to make sure I take heed and apply his word and put it into action. So, Timothy, you're follow me. His greeting to Timothy indicated that he had a relationship with Timothy that was respectful, caring, and nurturing. He had a connection. He was linked to Timothy. He was unified with Timothy, and he wanted not only for him and Timothy to be unified, but he wanted him and Timothy and the church to be unified. Because he wanted them to be on one accord. He wanted them to believe in the same thing that was going on, amen, in that particular time. See, I know at times we may think we can do this on our own, but but we need healthy and productive relationships with leaders, especially spiritual leaders, who will speak truth into our lives, mentor us, and care for us by sharing truth. At times, we may not always agree with them, their decision making and such like, but we keep that connection strong and seek God as well as seek seek him in a manner that we understand that he has our best interests at heart. And, And I like this, 1 Timothy 5 and 12 tells us this, know them that labor among you. Know them. Know who's a minister. Know who has your best interest at heart. Know them that has your best interest at heart. You got to know them. How do you know them? You got to labor, um, labor with them, work with them, pray for them. Let the Lord show you things about them. Some, Paul knew something about Timothy that he was a son in the gospel. He knew Timothy. He knew that Timothy was a follower of him. He knew it. Listen, even though he wasn't there, he knew Timothy was still following him. That's why he sent the letter and he called him a true son in the faith. Listen, if somebody sent a letter about you, would they know you are a true son in the faith? Would they know you are a disciple? Would you be a follower or would you be somebody say, I don't know if they follow you or not, Paul? We got to make sure that we know them that labor among us. The enemy will desire to break those relationships from us and those that will lead us because he knows the ministry work will be complete. Saints will be built up and we'll be unified in the faith. We'll continue to allow God fearing people to pour into our lives and we obey what we hear. Oh, good God, that's wonderful news today. Even though Tim was working on his assignment, Paul was led to give Timothy instructions to lead him on how to improve his ministry. And I truly believe that while he gave it to him, he knew that Timothy would follow the instructions. Oh, it's good news day. he knew that Timothy would follow his instructions. And, and I don't believe he just threw instructions out there and he said, you know what? I don't know if Timothy will do them or not. Now, he knew Timothy would follow the instructions. That's why he said Paul recognized that Timothy was going to be dealing with different teachings that would be contrary to God's will for him as well as God's church. There was things going on in that church and I'm going to give you just a sneak peek into the future. But if you, if you look carefully, if they would, if they, there was something going on that was going to bring division. It was going to bring division. It was going to cause people to have disputes disagreements. And there was something going on that Paul sits in the spiritual realm that God dealt with his heart. You got to deal with this thing, Timothy. You got to deal with it. So let's go over to 1 Timothy. We're still still in 1 Timothy. Let's go to verse 3 and verse 4. And I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that may, that that, excuse me, that They teach no other doctrine. Let me read that to you again. And I urge you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. Verse 4, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. I want to say something to you before I go into further explanation. He, Paul, well, something Paul didn't, did not say, that, that these type of conversations would stop. But you can't take heed to all these type conversations. One thing I thought about it, I said, Paul, you never said these things going to stop. But we can't take heed to every conversation that comes our way. Are y'all seeing that? Because he said it's going to bring about a problem it's going to be a problem. And one thing I thought about when I was looking at this, it's going to be a subtle problem that's going to slip in and if you ain't careful, it's going to bring about a dispute. Folks going to cease asking you questions they never asked you before. What about genealogy? Pastor Dye, why don't you teach about genealogies? Paul said don't teach about that kind of stuff. What, don't, you need, don't you know about it? Don't you know about this, that, and the other? Paul said don't teach it because it can bring division. Y'all see it here in the text, right? Oh, God. So these are four instructions that we learn from this young leader, young pastor, as he was leading so he could be a good minister. First thing he says is to remain. Remain. Remain means to continue, to tarry, to stay or be stable in Ephesus. See, that was his assignment. See, his assignment at the time was in Efficent. And see, if you're going to be a good minister, you got to stay with your assignment through the good times and when they're challenging times. Because sometimes people like to leave when they get challenging. When it gets hard, they say, you know what? I didn't sign up for stuff like this. But Boom. Boom. You can stay there when it's good. You can stay there when it's not so good. Oh, God. I could. You can stay in that marriage when it's good and when it's You can stay at that job or that business when it's good or when it's challenging. If the Lord assigns you to that particular place, you don't need to leave what God assigns you. You don't need to leave the place, that church, that family, that relationship, whatever it is. If God assigns you to that, remain there. Because why? That's your assignment. But when your assignment is over, it's time to move on. Y'all see the difference there? That's what he says. Remain. Continue to tarry. But while you're there, be stable. You don't need to be wishy-washy. You don't need to be uh, here and there. You need to be stable if you're going to be there. And stableness is not based on the environment. Stableness is based on your relationship with Jesus. You go into a hostile environment and you can still be stable. You can go into a place where things are not going the way you think they are. They don't agree with you, but yet you can still be stable. What do you mean, Pastor? you got peace that passes all understanding. And they should not be able to take that peace away from you because, why? you got peace that comes from God. And no matter what goes on around you, if God called you to be there, you need to be stable. And you could be like Jonah. Jonah was on a boat that was rocking to and fro. Eventually, everything were going. But you know what John would do when they found him? He would sleep. <laughs> good God I'm about it. Even Jesus, when he went on that boat, and that boat would, listen he don't care that we perish. Somebody wake him up. Jesus was in peace, even though there was a storm going on around him. Can you see whatever you're dealing with right now, you need to have peace no matter what goes on around you. No matter how rough it gets, you've got to be stable. You cannot be moved to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes your way. And listen, there was some doctrine that was coming to this church here that he said, I've got to deal with this. Because not, it's going to cause you to be unstable, Timothy. Not only are you unstable, it's going to cause your church and the people in your church to be unstable. And he didn't want that to happen. And so he said he charged those. He ordered, he commanded, he declared to them to teach no other doctrine. The doctrine in this particular case that they're talking about is something different. It deviated from the truth. It deviated from the truth. He said, listen, Timothy, it's going to go on. Listen, genealogy is going to go on. These different things are going to go on. But don't take heed to. Don't give heed to them. Do not give heed. Don't give attention to them. Don't devote thought and effort to them. Don't apply yourself to them. Because they cause endless, they cause disputes. Disputes are controversies. Debates, questioning, and divisions. See, Paul never said these fables and endless genealogies stop. But he said don't give heed to them. Because it brings about a divisive, Measure, and you got to be careful. Not only that, but any other teaching that causes division, you got to be careful about stuff like that. You got to be careful about anything that brings about a divisive teaching. Because one thing about it, fables and endless genealogies won't stop. But we don't need to give heed to it. We don't need to give attention to it, fault to it, apply oneself to it, and any other thing that causes divisiveness. Because if not, we'll be a church that's divided. We will be a church that's divided. People can go on and they'll come to you and they'll say this, that, and the other to you. But you got to say, you know what? That ain't what Pastor Dobbs is teaching. I got to put it aside. Because I'm not saying people are going to say stuff to you. you going to see stuff? that In Jesus' day, they said stuff. In Jesus' day, they said stuff. You notice, the, even in the church, the Pharisees and the uh, Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were saying stuff against Jesus. Even when it got to the government, the government was saying stuff against Jesus. But Jesus kept to his assignment. We should be the same way. No matter what they saying, we got to keep to our assignment. We got to keep to what God has called for us to do. Now let's go, the Father. We need to be excuse me be intentional about godly edification which is in faith. Enification means the improvement of a person spiritually, mentally, and intellectually. Improvement. They got to be improvement. That's why we we must be effective ministers. Effective. Understand it's not enough to have a good message, but we also must know our audience and the people that we minister to, their needs by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will show you what to do as well as not to do in order for us to bring about a desired result, fulfilling a specific function or assignment, and producing something desired. Paul prepared him to be mindful of the action and needs of the men and women in the latter days so that he will be better able to lead and instruct them. The latter days are those occurring near the end of something rather than the beginning. Belonging to a specific time. In other words, Paul was telling him, Timothy, yeah, I know you're dealing with this right now, but later on in ministry, based on my experience and being led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to deal with some most stuff in ministry as well. And that's why we, that's why he told t- uh, Paul, tells Timothy to be watchful of these actions among the people so you can be skilled at ministering to them. Hallelujah. Watchful means observant, diligent, and alert. And one of the things, let's go to First Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4. We'll start at verse 1. Even though Paul was telling Timothy to be, watch out for these things later on in your ministry, it is it is a prophetic word that tells us to watch out for things that are happening even today. I'm talking about in the year 2020. 2020. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 4. I'm going to read 1 through 5. Now, the spirit especially says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused. If it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So we see in this particular text seven actions that people in the last days may demonstrate that good ministers need to understand so that we can be effective in ministering to them. I want you to notice the first part of First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 that the Spirit expresses, expressly says in a lot of times some will depart From the faith, they are going to withdraw, fall away, or desert the faith. Notice what he says here. He said the faith. They may still be with their job, but they'll leave the faith. With their business, but they'll leave the faith. They'll still be in their schools, but they may leave the faith. They may be in a relationship, but they may leave the faith. Let me draw something on you real quickly. They may still be in the church, but they have left the faith. Sad, but we see this happening in the year 2020. There's some people right now that says they're part of the church, but in their minds, they have left the faith. They have left the faith. We don't want to be those individuals that leave the faith. We don't want to be. Because I could be in the church and have left the faith. Unfortunately, I've seen people, they'd be at church on Sundays, but in their mind, they don't believe what I'm teaching right now. Because they don't understand how important this is. And and I got to ask the question. Paul tells us, why are they leaving the faith? Paul goes on to tell us, they are giving heed. They're giving heed. Watch this. They were depart from the faith, giving heed. Now, giving heed means they turn their mind to but paying attention to what to what? what the Bible says deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now I want to bring something else to your attention real quickly. Quick. Paul never said that deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons would stop once he wrote this letter. Deceiving spirits and doctors of demons, unfortunately, in my opinion, are still here today. And if you ain't careful, you will be, you will fall prey to this particular thing right here. You will be, listen, because deceiving spirits are in, will go all over. Listen, he wouldn't call them deceiving spirits if they didn't have the ability to deceive. The ability to deceive. Deceiving means to mislead. To be an imposter and, and to seduce someone. He said, you got to watch out for these deceiving spirits. And not only that, the doctrines of demons, the teachings of demons, demons, evil spirits, messengers of the devil. Remember, Paul said, I'm a messenger of God, but there are people who are messengers of the devil. Now you got to know the difference. you got to be able to discern because these spirits, they can mislead you. They can be subtle in the way that they mislead you. They can say things that seem almost right, and they can give, give you half the scripture to back it up, but they are misleading you. That's why it takes the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the omniscient God, the all-knowing God, to lead and to guide us into all truth. Because if not, listen. Why has pastors never covered this that, and the other? And you can go out and get your own teaching, but if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit, it can make you deceptive. It can cause you to be deceptive. De- de- so demons have teachings even today, and these—what do they do? They speak lies. Lies. They're teaching falsely. They—they're teaching falsely in hypocrisy. They give you an answer. They give you some type of moral standard. They give you some type of belief, but it does not conform to truth, godly truth. It doesn't conform to godly truth. There are some people out there today, they got some slick words out there. It sounds good. It sounds good, but it is a lie. They speak falsely. Let me tell you something. They're all over the television these days. They are all over social media these days. They got their own YouTube channel, Facebook page. They are everywhere out there. If you're not careful, to follow the truth. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to continue to lead and guide you. That's why you need good ministers to help lead and guide you in the all truth. See, a good minister will say, hey, you know what? Even if I don't know, I can go to Pastor Hill and we can talk about it. And if Pastor don't know, he can go to the Bishop and we can talk about it. Because that's why I got godly leadership in my life to help me to stay in line with scripture. Are y'all following me? So that's why we thank God for individuals in our life. And the Bible goes on to say having their own conscience seared. Seared with a hot iron. Listen, their soul is branded with the marks of sin. And it's with a hot iron. That means it's there. There's some people you can't even, you, you can try to tell them and you can show them in scripture. What something says. And they'll say something like, well, you know, I know what it says, but let me tell you something. When you get people like that, don't even waste your time with them. When you show them in the Bible, and some people say, well, well, show me in the Bible. I showed you. Here it is right here. And then they will say, well, I, I, heard, I see what you're saying, but I had somebody one day have a conversation about ties.'" I showed them scripture after scripture about tithing. Well, is it for the Old Testament? I showed them in the New Testament. I showed them this. I showed them Hebrews 8. I showed them what Jesus talked about. I showed them. And they said, well, I I, I think you just give what you want. Back then, I was kind of young, so I got a little upset with them. Now, I'm like, please. (laughs) When you show them in the Word, and they still don't want to do it? This is what Paul was telling Timothy. These individuals have been deceived. They're listening to doctrines of demons. Because demons are still teaching even today. There are seducing spirits that are teaching today that will get you to leave your good church to follow after a lie. They're not there today. That's why I thank God for good ministers that would tell us the truth. And this is some of the things that he said they're going to be teaching. They're going to be teaching you. They're going to forbid you to marry. And and there's some people out there right now that are teaching folks that you shouldn't even marry. You should just shack up. I'm sorry, don't use shack. more. Did you shack up no more. I don't know. uh, As long as y'all get it, I want y'all to get it. That's all I want to make sure you get it. He'll teach them there's certain foods you shouldn't eat. And one thing I notice about that is that they're telling you things that God created are basically no good for you. Anytime somebody tell you that things that are good for you that God created are no good, you know that's a lie. He said the very food that God created, these people are teaching you, they're commanding you to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. Now, he does tell us to thank you for our food now. Listen, don't get high-minded that because I tell you you can eat your food, be thankful for it. Be thankful for the food. Don't be talking about, oh, God told me it's good, I can eat it. No, be thankful for you eating. Everybody understand that? Oh, he said, listen, don't get high-minded, don't get beside yourself. Listen, be thankful for that food you eat. I said, Lord, you know, you made some good food out there. I'm grateful for everything that I enjoy eating. I appreciate that too, Lord. In my opinion, Paul wants to that Timothy as well as us today are going to be beneficial ministers in in the latter days. We have to know the thinking and talking and actions of some, not all, of those that we lead. Paul told Timothy, and additional words of 1 Timothy 1 and 5, which states, For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Why is it for the natural food? I believe the same is true for spiritual food. We need to pray over our spiritual food. We need to pray over our natural food. And let me say this to you it's important that you pray over your spiritual food. Say, Lord, before Pastor Dobbs, good ahead. Let me pray. Father, what he about to teach. Knowledge, let it feed me knowledge and understanding. Take away any impurities. Make sure that word is right for me. When I receive my rhema, I need to go out and practice what he, he has taught me. Don't, don't rely on my flesh. Don't rely on me praying. Don't rely on somebody else praying. You need to pray, pray over your own food. Look, well, I'm talking about my state. Now i talking about the word of God you need to pray over. You need to pray before you get here that, Lord, I'll get a word from Pastor today. I need for him to give me the right example, the right scripture, the right revelation. I need a word from you today, and I need you to handle that, God. Get his vocal cords right. Get his mind right. God, give him the right scripture. He may not even know he's going to go down that rabbit trail, but you know what I need, God, better than I do. And God will make sure you get what you need before you leave this sanctuary. And also pray of your natural food, too. All right? Receive it with thanksgiving. Now, in my opinion, Paul told Timmy two important things that will keep God's people sanctified, cleansed and purified during the latter days when they're dealing with natural as well as spiritual matters, the Word of God and prayer. The Word of God and prayer. Let's go back to our main text, 1 Timothy 4 and 6. We see in today's text 14. 1 Timothy 4 and 6, the knowledge and understand that Timothy gained from Paul better prepare him and us for ministry. It made us ready for use, made ready to deal with matters. And First Timothy 4 and 6, if you instruct the brother in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. A good, a useful minister, an approved minister, an able minister, or an effective minister. Now, he told Timothy, what did he tell him to do? Instruct the brethren. Instruct the brethren. Instruct them. Teach them. Bring to remembrance. Suggest the brethren in these things. What things are you talking about? Everything he's talked about. We're not just limited to certain things. How the Holy Spirit leads, we teach. We teach. Somebody may need help in the single life. We teach what the Bible says. Somebody may need help in their marriage. we teach what the Bible says. Somebody may need help in their in their career. We teach what the Bible says. Somebody may need help in their finances. We teach what the Bible says. Somebody may need help in in their mental mindset. We teach what the Bible says. We rightly divide that's why the texts tell us we want to be nourished in the words of faith and in the good doctrine which we have carefully followed. Notice, nourish means to educate. And I like this definition. It's going to form the mind. It's going to form the mind. when you ed- See, education in the simple terms is forming the mind. It's forming the mind. It's just thinking certain ways. But in this particular text, he wants us to form our mind to think like Christ. Those minds that have stayed on me, those minds will I keep in perfect peace. We think think about Jesus in every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. See, in my opinion, he wanted to be deemed as good ministers as well as good leaders. We must be nourished in the words of faith, of the good doctrine, which is the good news of Christ, and be careful to be good followers, good followers of Jesus Christ. A follower there is to conform to God's image. We'll continue to follow our omniscient God, and we will follow our leadership carefully. And that's important. When you follow in Christ, and you follow in Christ, you gotta be careful about how you follow. You can't be just led astray by any wind of doctrine that comes your way. One point that I know I've said this many times, but I, I, I need to make sure you get that. Social media, YouTube, people got, uh, all types of platforms that they minister gospel about. All types of platforms. All types even the people of the world have have platforms that they minister on. Advertisers all the time will show up on your video and try to get you to change your mind about something. I'll do it make me mad when I say it, but that's different though. You mean I to a video sometime and halfway through Advertiser pop up in it, trying to change my mind about something. That's what the world do. I can't get mad at the world. I may skip it as soon as I'm allowed to, but I can't get mad at them. They're trying to change my mind to get me to go buy something of theirs. That's what advertising is for. But we need to understand that there's all types of platforms out there that people are trying to change the way that we think. But we can, we, we don't need to take heed to it. And if you find yourself, find yourself being divisive, find yourself, listen, start questioning stuff you didn't question it before. You got to ask yourself where did it come from. When, it, when you start questioning giving, you've been giving for years. You know giving work. Why you start questioning giving now? Something gonna happen. When you start questioning whether or not you should be in the house of God, something gonna happen. You question whether or not that that marriage is right, something will happen. You question whether or not that you are, you should be a child of God, something will gotten into your mind. it it ain't no, in most cases, this is my opinion, it ain't gonna be nothing big at first. It's gonna be small stuff that's gonna come along the way. And if you ain't careful, that's what the Bible says, it's little foxes that spoil the vine. Small stuff that can mess your mind up. Let me finish this up. Hallelujah. A good minister is one who serves Jesus and other based on the written and revealed word of God. The word of God makes us better, and we're able to apply the word to help others get better as well. Better is here, and better keeps coming for good ministers and those that are impacted by their ministry gift. And I got this statement here. You might not have it, but I want to read this statement to you. A good minister is one who served Jesus and others based on the written and revealed word of God, which in turn, we should be making others better by our service. We should be making others better by our service. Good ministers are going to make others better. Good ministers are going to make others better. If nobody getting better by you being a quote-unquote good minister, I question whether or not you're a good minister. But I do know this. There's some ministers in this sanctuary that if you follow them as they follow Christ, you're going to be better. You, you, will you agree with everything they say? No. This is what you got to know. Are they following Scripture? Are they following their pastors? Is the pastor follow Christ? Are they doing what the Bible tells them to do? And when they do, Hey. What was it argue about? Because you ain't argue with them no more. <laughs> Watch this. You're arguing with the one who sent that person, and the one who sent that person, and the one who sent that person, and, and, and the pastor who sent that one, and then God who sent the pastor. That's who the argument really going back to. I want, you, I want to see that. But a good minister is going to make others better. Better. We're going to make each other. I mean agree that you can be better because of what God has given us? I'm done standing your feet. Hey.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at OCCVR.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.